I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name is Bill, and I'm here with longtime friend and fellow Grace Guardian, Guard Dog Steve. Guard Dog Steve. Hello, everybody. I'm glad that you're here, too. Well, Steve, we are going to, I think, know how you feel, but I'd like to kind of continue the thought we were we had in the last podcast of Romans 8. Remember we podcast yeah, on that? Yeah. Let, me, let me see if I've got it right. We had done... Four verses only. <laughs> yeah, but we had done a podcast about him preparing vessels for us. Preparing us as the vessels that brought us to Romans 8, where it begins to talk about us as vessels, even though people don't really catch on to its talking about us as vessels. Yeah, he uses the word okoya, which we, we get for household. Exactly. Or a place. Yes. To dwell. Place to dwell. Akoya. Akoya, yeah. And and that word is in Romans 8, 9, Akoya. Akoya. And and that makes it a parallel thought with John 14, where he said, I go to prepare you guys as vessels. We now know that it's prepare you guys to be the vessels when we used to think it was get, he's going to make a mansion for us. But that wasn't the case. He was going to prepare us as vessels in the idea that he's using Okoya now kind of proves that both passages are on the same topic. He says it exactly the same thing. And later on in John 14, he says, I'm going to send the spirit to Okoya or dwell in you. There it is. There it is. It's Paul's prayer in I believe it's Ephesians 3, one of his spiritual prayers. Yeah, I know where you're going. Yeah, where he says that he prays that out of his glorious riches, he would strengthen us with power in our inner being, yeah. innermost being, where Christ would akoya, akoya, akoya that's the word, dwell at home, feel at home, deep, yeah. deep down, comfortable. In, yeah, in our hearts through faith and having well down there then it says we become rooted and established in his love so that we would have power yes power to not to do something power to grasp something something that's not graspable by the mind of the flesh flesh. which we're going to get to in romans 8 yes but it's the 
ability to grasp how high and how wide and how long and how deep is the love of God, the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses mere human knowledge. Yes, human intellect. That's the mind of the spirit and the mind of the flesh, which we're going to get to in Romans 8. Right. Right. There's only one thing that surpasses the intellect of man, and that's the intellect of the spirit. And so we learn from Romans or John 14 that he's going to, he has to prepare us for this spirit to Okoya to dwell down in us, to be at home in us. Yes. And he had to prepare it by no condemnation by condemning the sin in the flesh the wages of sin is death and he had to the sin guy had to be put to death our flesh had to be put to death he made us sinless and blameless in god's sight that's why we get the romans 8 1 therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus you could say it's uncondemnable uncondemnable And that was, we had a little bit of controversy. We read some scholars, but there doesn't need to be any scholarly read, really. We can take Paul's words in, let's say, 2 Corinthians 5.14. You're familiar with that Mm -hmm. one? Mm -hmm. Paul says, the love of Christ constrains me. Didn't we just pray for that? Yes. That we would be... How high we would grasp Mm -hmm. how high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ. Well, it helps. Proves itself out. Because he's saying that the love of Christ constrains me, controls me. Controls me. Because he's convinced of something, Steve. Yes. Do you remember what he's convinced of? Yes, that one died for all, therefore all died. All paid their sin debt. We're all blameless and holy in God's sight. Uncondemnable. Uncondemnable. Inhabitable. And inhabitable or made ready. Made ready. Yes. Fully prepared. Yes. There's a picture there to be seen. And it's a picture of us as holy vessels that God can use. Because you have to get that picture in your mind to go on in this Romans 8 passage. And then we're going to come up upon a series, a couple of ifs. Yeah. And ifs in the English and ifs in the Greek are... Two different things. They're not the same. Yeah. Should we? We think of if yeah. in English as. Maybe, maybe not. Iffy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So where should I start out at? Let's read verse four. Four again. Yeah. Okay. That's the first if. Yes. All the righteous requirements of the law will be fully met in us who do not walk according to human effort but walk according to the Spirit's power. Now that seems like a a condition. Yes. That if you do this, God will do that. Right. But it's not. It's not. Do you see the, some have it as so that? Yes. It's the Greek word, I think it's pronounced ina. Yeah. Do you know that? In order to? Yeah. Check us on that if you want. (laughs) Yeah not going to hurt our feelings. No. We're not Greek scholars. But yes, Steve, you said in order to. Yes. Or another word is, definition is for the purpose Purpose of. of. So that, let's read it that way. Yeah. So 
for I'm going to read verse three included in there. Okay. For for God achieved what the law could not do, because it was weakened through the flesh. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and concerning the sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. Verse four. In order that. In order that. He, for the he, purpose of. He made us holy and blameless in order that. Made us ready. Yes. The righteous, righteous. requirements of the law can now be fully met, met in us who walk according to the spirit. spirit and not the human nature. Because they're never going to be met by human effort. Effort. Should we, should we try for verse 5? Sure. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, you can read it. I'll read out at NAS. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Kind of a bad translation there. Let's just deal with it first. Okay. Here's how we would kind of read in the Greek paraphrase. Yeah. Okay. For the ones according to flesh being things of the flesh think, but ones according to the things of the spirit think. Yeah. yeah. There's the idea of possession there in the nouns being genitive. Yes. They are, your, your mind is possessed by either the flesh or the spirit. It's owned by either the flesh or the spirit. It's being controlled by either the flesh or the spirit. That's why so many versions have the word controlled. Yeah. Let's go ahead and read 6 and 7, and then we can put it all together. It'll make more sense. Okay. For the mind set on the flesh, or the mind controlled by the flesh is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind controlled by the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the laws of God, for it isn't even able to do so. And those who are of the flesh cannot please God. There's the death, Steve. Yes. The mind of the flesh cannot subject itself to the laws of God and it's not even able to do so, there's where the hostility comes in. Yes, yes. When you see something that you want to attain in your own human effort, you're in the mind of the flesh, and you realizing that you can't obtain it and that you're falling short brings about this hostility towards God. And that hostility towards God is a feeling of, failure and inability to please God by the law, Mm -hmm. by human effort. And it brings about this death feeling, this condemned feeling. we, We need to just take a break right now and deal with this word death and what it actually is, because death has more than one meaning to it. We need to go to Genesis and Maybe I'll even, you remember in Timothy where it says the woman who dedicates herself 
to prayer and supplication day and night is good, but the woman who is taken captive by her wanton pleasures is dead even yeah. while she lives. Yeah. You can't be dead while you live unless the word death has a different meaning than we usually think of it as. Yeah. And here it's going to be described as a mindset. A mindset, yes. Should we go to Genesis? And yeah, because that's where it started. That's where it started. That's where we, we first We learned got. that in Romans 5.12. Yeah. That the sin entered the world through one man, and then the death yeah. got its entrance through the sin. Yes. That was Romans 5.12. Yes, yes. This death was passed on to all men. We all have this in common. And so what, what is this it? death? Yeah. Yeah. It's feeling naked and ashamed. That's an alternative meaning for the word death. And what gives you this feeling of naked and ashamed is the knowledge of how good God is. Remember he said, I want the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. And, and I'll be it. like God. Right. And God gave it to him for a purpose. Yeah. The only thing is, is that he realized he does not stack up to God. And can never meet that standard. No. The feeling of knowing that you can't meet that standard, the knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. Knowing you're not. <laughs> in, in knowing you're not. Is death. It is a form of death. And the more you try in your own human effort to obtain this goal the stronger that feeling gets. gets. It's absolutely true. I've tried so hard to live the Christian life in my human strength, only to feel so defeated I couldn't stand myself anymore. And the feeling can kind of be dormant when the law is not brought in and human performance is not demanded of you from the pulpit. Right. When you experience the mind of the Spirit. When the you mind of the flesh is dormant, so that feeling is dormant. That feeling is only generated by the law, for through the law comes the knowledge of the sin, and the ministry of the law is the ministry of condemnation in, in the Corinthian letter. It's called the letter of death. death. Yes. The letter of condemnation, knowing that you're a sinner, is also called the ministry of death. Because remember, Adam did not physically die that day. He didn't physically die. So that definition won't work if we think it was a physical death. Yes, and this definition is big in the New Testament, and it's crucial to have this idea in your mind because a lot of passages will begin to make sense if you realize there's this alternative meaning for death or a second meaning for death. The feeling of, oh, wretched man that I am, Paul called it. Paul said, I'm a wretched man. That was his feeling of death in Romans 7. He cried out, who will rescue me from this? Who will rescue me? So Romans 8, 5, 6, 7, and 8 compare, go back and forth comparing the mind of the flesh and the mindset of the spirit. So maybe we could read 5, 6, 7, and 8 and then 
do you want to read it and introduce that word abundance? Yes, that's in verse 9. So okay. I'll let you go to verse, go through verse 5 through 8. Okay. For those who are controlled by the flesh have their mind set on the things of the flesh, but those who are controlled by the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, and it's not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh, being controlled by the flesh, cannot please God. Right. In verse 9. If you have in your mindset that you fall short of pleasing God because of the mind of the flesh, then you can never please God in your mind. Exactly. You've never done enough. No. Let me read verse 9. This is kind of a Greek paraphrase. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If the spirit of Christ... Let me read it again. But you are not in flesh, but in spirit. If indeed spirit of God lives, that's our Okoya word, Mm -hmm. in you. But if, again, anyone, spirit of Christ does not have, this one is not of him. (laughs) Okay. That made sense. Yeah. All right. First, let me do the if. Yeah. How do we usually interpret if? Like in Can you read verse 9 in yours? Yeah, yeah. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Oh, so you're not even a Christian. Right. Or you are a Christian. Yes. If. If you're doing good things, you're a Christian. Yes. If you're not doing good things, we can assume you're not a Christian. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's not an if you're a Christian if, Steve. No. Let me get the word. It is I pair. It's a compound word. Compound word. The I part, if, Mm -hmm. is combined with pair. But the if is the if that's used in comparables. Tell us about a comparable. It's not an if, maybe... Maybe not. It's a comparable. You mean it's not, this may happen or it may not happen. Right. It's if... If you compare this with that? Yeah. And in context, it's comparing flesh and spirit. Okay. So we want to know if this is flesh or if this is spirit. Okay. Maybe a bad example, but the only one that comes to mind is... Living in Florida, you see a lot of people that say, which is the coral snake and which is the king snake? And they they say, if its stripes are red on black, you can pet its back. But if it's red on yellow, he's a dangerous fellow. fellow. Or or kill a fellow. Yes, yes. That's a comparison. That's a comparison. That's an if comparison. Right, right. This is a if comparison. 
Okay. Okay. So I got say, it. Now the pear part mm-hmm. is like the red on black pettit's back, mm-hmm. but it's an abundance of. So if there's an abundance of the spirit, spirit. the spirit is dwelling in you. Okay. Say if, that again. If the spirit is in abundance manifestation wise, the spirit is dwelling in you. Then you're considered to be in the spirit. Yes. It doesn't mean you don't have the spirit if it's not in abundance. Right. It means the and flesh is in abundance. abundance dwelling in you. Yeah. It means more or less like the spirit is dormant and the flesh is active. Yes. Okay. So when it says, if so be the Spirit of God dwells in you, it's that word, I pair. Yes. Meaning, if there's an abundance of the Spirit. Manifestation of the Spirit, you can be sure that's the Spirit dwelling in you. Yes, you can call yourself in the Spirit. Just like in First John, it says, if anyone says, I'm in the Spirit and acts like this, he's not. He's a liar. He's telling you the, the, something false. Yes. Trying to get you to fellowship in the Spirit. Exactly. So back to uh, Romans 8, 5, 6, 7, and 8. Yeah. There we have the if are comparables. Okay. And the comparables were the mind of the flesh mm-hmm. and the mind of the spirit. Okay. So should I go back and read it again? Let's we read it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For those who have an abundance of flesh have their minds controlled by the flesh. But those who show an abundance of the Spirit have their minds controlled by the Spirit. For the mind controlled by the flesh is death because it's producing an abundance of the flesh. But the mind controlled by the Spirit because it's producing an abundance of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind showing an abundance of the flesh is hostile towards God, and it does not subject itself to the laws of God. It's not even able to do so. Those who are showing an abundance of the flesh cannot please God. But if you're showing an abundance of Christ, you are pleasing God because the mind of the spirit says you're already pleasing Pleasing to to God, God. whether you do anything or not. not. Yes. Now having this free mind off yourself, trying to please God. Right. Guess what, Steve? There's liberty and there's freedom. Now, possibly you might be considering other people around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the spirit, the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom from the futility, freedom from the selfishness, freedom from all those things that you do not like about yourself. And when your mind is on fixing those things in your own human effort and striving to be ingrading like yourself, ingrading yourself only to find you're having a failing grade, which, going back to Adam, he said, you just need the knowledge of good and evil. You need to know how good God is, and you need to know what evil is, and then you'll be like God. But when you're acting in this knowledge, knowing how the standard of the law, how good it is, and you're striving to try and 
please God by keeping the law, your mind is dead. It, it knows that it's considered evil. The more you try, the more you realize what a fruitless effort, effort this is going to be. Yes. Until you cry out, wretched person that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Who will help me get along with everybody that I'm not getting along with? They're all mad at me. It seems like the whole world is aggravated with me because I've made them mad. Who will rescue me from this tendency I have to make, to annoy everybody? Exactly. And now we have the mindset of the spirit. Yes. The mindset of the spirit is life and peace. You could say the mindset of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, steadfastness, self-control, faithfulness. It, It is. And it's what controls you. Yes. In a good way. For the better. So let's go ahead and finish all of verse 9. We didn't didn't really take it to the end. Okay. Uh, I'll read all of verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells abundantly in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Uh Uh-oh. So what does that last part mean, Steve? If anyone, the Spirit of Christ, does not have, it's it's, not of him. It's the same thing 1 John said in 1 John 2. It was just saying that the person that is not obeying the commandments does not have God or Jesus, they're not in the Spirit. They, they don't have God or Jesus as a source of their life right now. They don't have God or Jesus as manifesting. Yeah, it's the same word for to hold or possess, To meaning they're not manifesting it is, is what it really means. Yeah, it, it means the flesh is warring against the spirit and the spirit is warring against the, the flesh so that you don't always do what you want because sometimes the flesh is active and the spirit's not. And sometimes the spirit is active and the flesh is not. That's what this passage is telling us is the same thing as Galatians five seventeen. It, it's telling us all about how the flesh and the spirit yeah take control of us let me just say this before we get to verse 10 okay this helps me understand it it's the way bill's mind that eternal life is to experience him yes right that was in jesus Mm -hmm. prayer in john 17 yes eternal life is the life of god yes or the life of the spirit yes we sometimes get that confused with a term we call everlasting life. Yes, we do. Now, the life of God obviously is everlasting. going to last forever, but... And eternal is also means unchanging. Yes. And everlasting, if it can change, then it's not eternal by definition. Right. So... If my life can change for the good or the bad, it's not eternal. Right. But his life, the spirit life, is unchanging and everlasting, and it fuses in time with 
my life and changes it. Yes. That's where we get that. That's why it's so important. Transformation comes in. The transformation takes place. And it's why it's important to see that if meant, and if the abundance of this life is manifesting, my life is changing and I'm growing. Yes. And as we'll see later in Romans chapter 8, I start overcoming. Amen. Little by little. Yes. We're becoming overcomers. Right. We, we haven't arrived yet, but we're in a process. Yes. So all verse 10 means that this Adam life is not of of God anymore. No, it belongs it, to Adam. Right. It's not the life of the new Adam. It's the life that belonged to Adam. You're manifesting the life that belonged to Adam, not the life that belonged to God. When you're manifesting the spirit, you're manifesting the life that belongs to God. That's why 1 Corinthians 15.45 says the first man, Adam, became mm-hmm. a living soul. soul. The last man became a life-giving, life-giving spirit. spirit. The first man was of the dust, the second man is from, from heaven. heaven. And his life is a heavenly quality of life. Yes. Also called eternal life. Also called eternal life. So the second man became a life-giving spirit. Yes. And that's all verse 10 is saying at the end, mm-hmm. is that life belonged to the first man. I couldn't agree with you more because the, the verse used soul. to scare me. Yeah, it's saying... But it, it's not saying what I always thought it was saying. Now, I it's know absolutely zip about Hebrew. Yeah. But I have heard it demonstrated and defined by some people that in Genesis 1, where it says, And God breathed into him, to Adam, the breath of lives. Period. Yeah. You've heard that too. Yeah. And they've described it as both suke life, soulish life, and eternal life. life. Eternal life. Exactly. So the suke life is what Jesus said. Anyone that wants to cling to their suke life, you're going to lose it anyway because it doesn't belong to God. It's not of God. Right. Their natural life. And that's that passage that says if anybody loves his life, he will lose it. But if you hate your life, you will get eternal life. It's if you love your natural life, the English does not bring that out. No, it doesn't. It's if you love your psyche life, the soulish life, you'll lose that life, but you won't lose the eternal life you'll actually that's when you lose the soulish life for the manifestation of the soulish life you gain the manifestation of the eternal life the spirit yes taste and see that the lord is good amen that's the life we want yes we addicted to this life yes and we say i like that i love this yes but the soulish life is what we cry out and say wretched life, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death. Yes. It's actually a death life. Yeah. Bringing back to your passage in Timothy where it says she's dead even though she lives. Yes. She's living a suke life. life. And that's what verse 10 
I think I've said that five times. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. The end of verse 10, that life is not of God. It's the of the first Adam. Yes. So, let I think we're ready for verse 11. Okay, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you abundantly, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit that dwells in you. And that's a, that's an if and if and he will. Yes. You could also say since. since. Yeah. Let me read it like that. But since the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells abundantly in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. Read so much better with since instead of if. Yes. It reminds me of what Paul said in Galatians. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I live in this mortal body, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. To prepare me. I love the next verse in 21. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be obtained through the law, Christ died in vain. Go ahead and read verse 12, Steve. Okay. So then, brethren, we are not under obligation to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We are not in bondage to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We owe the flesh nothing. We're not debtors to it. Yes. We can we can abandon that method altogether of it, human effort. Yes, and we're not trapped by the, the flesh. We can escape through the spirit. Go ahead and quote the verse you do every podcast oh okay okay are you so foolish after beginning with the spirit are you trying to attain the goal of the christian life by human effort isn't that what verse 11 says yes you're not obligated to to human effort anymore exactly exactly says the same thing yes we are we don't have to keep trying and failing that's what he's saying right verse 13 okay let's do verse 13 because it goes with With verse 12 it finishes the thought if we stop at 12 it leaves you hanging Mm -hmm. you're not under obligation but, Mm -hmm. but go ahead and read 13 but if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body you will live For all those being led by the Spirit are of God. That's where we get the of God thing. These are sons of God. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, if by the Spirit you put down the human nature and get it to be dormant, you manifest life itself. Yes. And you can share that life with people. it's what they call sharing life. It's the spirit life that overcomes 
the flesh. Yes. Not I'm sorry, not the flesh, but the sin. Yes, in the flesh. In the flesh, yeah. But the sin which but causes... what we're not obligated to do is never the, over, doesn't work anyway. No. And we are not stuck in the flesh forever anymore. We can manifest the spirit. Fighting a battle will never win. Yes. But you've got to use the spirit to put to death the deeds of the body. Praise God. Mm-hmm. And it works. It worked for me because, man... I know your testimony is just like mine. In the beginning of my Christian life, I tried to walk like Jesus walked so hard. I tried to live a sinless life as hard as a human being could could try to live a sinless life. And it did not work. I was a, a complete failure. And I was hiding the fact that I was a failure. And I was coming out to people going, maybe I can just act like a Christian for a couple hours and they'll be fooled. And I couldn't even do it then. I would put my foot in my mouth, even if I just went out with the people. I would say something that I did not want to say. And it was all because sin was dwelling in me, overpowering my human effort and causing me to say what I did not want to say. But if by the Spirit I put to death the deeds of the flesh, then I will say the right thing to everybody. It was such a concept for me to get, and it was such a life-changing concept. I, I, I can't imagine living any other way now except in total dependency to the Spirit. And I did blossom as a Christian. I did. I blossomed as a Christian and and became what I always wanted to become, which is is a pretty right-on Christian. It's a beautiful thing. It is. The best word to to describe it is a rest. Oh, yes. You cease from your works. You cease from striving that's why it says be diligent to enter that rest. Make of every effort to enter the rest. It's an adventure, too. It is. You don't have to plan everything and think of what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to have this problem where I had a group of Christian friends and I had a group of secular friends. And I always hope, man, I hope I don't run into both of them at the same time. Yeah, then yeah, I'm gonna, yeah be exposed as a fake and a phony. Right. And because I didn't talk to Christianese words with my secular friends. friends. But yes. when I was with the Christian friends, I talked to the Christianese. And, yeah. Yeah. And, I can uh, remember that too, Bill. All of those things. I remember them all vividly. Yeah. And boy, I was sharing my faith with that person. And uh, <laughs> But sharing your faith is a good thing. Yeah, it is. But I wasn't sharing my faith no. with, with someone. No. I was sharing a fake lie with yes. people. Yes. And it brings me to a, a question I've always had. And I asked you the other day to see if it would work. I said, Steve, where's a good Asian restaurant? Right, right. And you spoke up and said, yeah. Yeah, here's one. I know where one is. Why do we have no problem recommending a good restaurant 
but we have to take classes and <laughs> yeah to <laughs> to explain the good news mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. why is that a chore why is that a be- task to be- explain the good news because my good news wasn't good news back then I have no problem saying hey try this Holy Spirit to live the Christian life you'll you'll love it I have no problem saying that but that wasn't what I was saying I was saying become a Christian and then do a bunch of do's and don't do a bunch of don'ts and I hope you do better than I do because yeah, I'm miserable I'm miserable here at Guardians of Grace, we don't want you to be miserable. That's not the ambition of Guardians of Grace. We don't want you living a life full of sin. We want you to live a righteous Christian life. That is the goal of Guardians of Grace, to live a righteous Christian life, to live the Christian life that you've always dreamed of living. We know how hard you've tried to live the Christian life. We know. We've been there. We've done that. That's not our goal. Our goal is to get you to the finish line, to get you to be all that you can be as a Christian. That's what we're saying. And it turns out that Grace is the only way to do it. Living by the Spirit's power, which is grace, living by grace, is the only way to achieve a successful Christian life. And that's what we at Guardians of Grace want for each and every one of you. That's why we want to get this message out. So let me pray, Father God, please allow us to speak this gospel clearly and boldly as we should and to get this message out exponentially to thousands and thousands of people because we believe that the whole world needs to listen to the good news, the gospel of grace, this way of life in Christ Jesus that Paul taught everywhere in every church. So, Father, please bless our podcast and bless the ears of everyone who listens to this podcast. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys.